Hello, and welcome to the Notable Speeches podcast. Voting irregularities in several states have clouded the outcome of the U.S. presidential election. Although major news organizations call the race for former Vice President Joe Biden, tens of millions of Americans, including nearly a third of Democrats, if poll numbers are to be believed, think vote fraud may have played a significant role in the totals, amplifying votes for Mr. Biden. That is certainly the view of President Donald Trump's legal team, buttressed by sworn statements and in-person testimony from hundreds of poll workers, election observers, and others who say they witnessed questionable or illegal procedures firsthand. The Trump team is disputing results in several closely fought swing states, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Nevada, Georgia, and Arizona. In recent days, Republican state legislators in those states, most of which have Democratic governors, have convened unofficial hearings to listen to witnesses and also to members of the Trump legal team. Next, the opening statement from the Arizona hearing, delivered by Trump attorney Rudolph Giuliani. Mr. Giuliani is perhaps most well-known as the former mayor of New York City from 1994 to 2001, but before that he was the United States Attorney for the Southern District of New York. He also has served as an Associate Attorney General of the United States. In his statement, Mr. Giuliani alleged that vote totals in Arizona and elsewhere are not trustworthy for several reasons, including what he described as a coordinated campaign of fraud related to the use of mail-in ballots. He urged Arizona lawmakers to use their authority under Article II of the U.S. Constitution to appoint electors to the Electoral College rather than simply endorsing the slate of electors already pledged to Joe Biden. Here is Mr. Giuliani's opening statement. Distinguished senators and representatives, uh, thank you very much for giving us this opportunity to be heard. It's been difficult getting an opportunity to be heard. It shouldn't be. It's America, after all. And our side of the story is legitimate. Our side of the story needs to be heard. And it's been uniformly censored by big tech, big media, the crooked Democrats, and uh, basically people who are saying, um, don't show us the facts. We ha we've, we've decided already that this is a free and fair election. It was done perfectly. Please don't interrupt that narrative with the truth. Well, we're going to interrupt that narrative this morning with the truth. And again, I want to thank you for your courage in doing this. I, I don't think most people realize the kind of um, harassment, threats, horrible things that are said to you and your family because you're doing this. And again, I emphasize we've let something really go wrong in this country when that happens. Some of you are old enough and some of you are not old enough to remember the McCarthy era. Well, this I call this the McCarthy era on steroids. People being actually fired from their jobs. We had a lawyer who was handling one of our major cases. His very distinguished law firm, can't be really much of a law firm, said that he couldn't remain with his law firm if he represented the President of the United States. If that isn't uh, censorship, if that isn't a form of despotism and distortion of the values of our country, I don't know what is. It started before. It's been going on for some time, like um, that kind of despotism and, and, and uh, authoritarianism, it always starts slowly. You could see it in things done 10, 12 years ago. I think the pandemic released the tendencies of left-wing, socialist-leaning, socialist governors, 
congressmen, senators, to move to where socialism always moves to. In the history of socialism, which is an old idea, not a new idea, authoritarianism is always the end result. Because when the government controls property, the government controls. And it doesn't want to. It doesn't want to be interrupted by the stupid ideas of the dumb people of the country. The elite know better. Boy, doesn't that sound like America today? I mean, that was Russia, that was China, that is China. That was Poland, that was Bulgaria, that was East Berlin. Gosh, I thought we fought that and got rid of it. Never thought I'd see it in America. It's in America. It began with the revelation of the hard drive that proves substantial major crimes on behalf of the Biden family. Censored, not allowed to be shown, not allowed on television, not allowed in the newspapers. Just, we don't want to see the facts, even though they may point out millions and millions of dollars going to a vice president from China, Russia, Ukraine, Romania. Oh, I can't remember all the places. Highly unusual for a vice president to become a multimillionaire while he's sitting in the office of vice president. But it happened, and he's the uh, candidate of the Democratic Party right now. That was covered up. As soon as this election moved into the questionable stage, same practice was used. Cover it up, cover it up, cover it up. Big tech, big media, crooked Democratic leaders, big business that profits from the system the way it operates right now. Their desire is to make country not America first, but wherever America should be put so they can make a profit. We could be third, we could be fifth, we could be non-existent as long as they're making a profit. They have no sense of how important this country is to the, uh, really, to the survival of the world as a decent place. There is no other country that puts its men and women's lives at risk to save other people. That country doesn't exist on earth. It's us. And if we destroy the essential nature of this country, the world's in for a terrible period of time. Well, specifically to this, this election was the subject of a conspiracy that goes back before the election. A conspiracy that was hatched by the crooked leaders of the Democratic Party. And let me say this to all Democrats. 99% of Democrats are just as honest, just as good, just as decent as Republicans. They may not be as correct on the policies, but we can forgive that. Some of my best friends and relatives are Democrats, and they're not correct on the policies. They believe the same thing about me. But they don't cheat. They don't steal votes. They don't sell public office. The very, very top of the Democratic Party has been corrupted badly since Clinton, and it's carrying itself through, and it hasn't been exercised. The head hasn't been cut off yet of that corruption. This conspiracy isn't limited to, but as you hear the testimony, I think you'll figure it out just like the people in Pennsylvania, and later in the week, the people in Michigan. It centers around the mail-in ballots and the absentee ballots. We've been warned for 20 years that going to major mail-in ballots as a way of doing our elections will be fraught with tremendous fraud. They're very dangerous. It's almost impossible for even semi-crooked politicians to resist the temptation to use it for ballot stuffing. We were warned by President Jimmy Carter. We were warned by former Secretary of State Jim Baker in a report, very, very consequential report. They said we should never do it. And if we do it, it should be extremely limited 
to the real absentee situations like we have done in the past. We were warned by Justice Souter in the Supreme Court, warned by many, many experts, Republican and Democrat. Democrats used to be against mail-in ballots, like they were against everything else until President Trump was for it, which gives you a sense they're not thinking about the country. They're thinking about competitive advantage, getting their power back, serving their greed and for power and money. So when they saw the mail-in ballot situation, they said, wow, we could change an election in the past, like they did in Chicago in 1960 with uh, Mayor Daley, like they did in Florida or tried to do just last year in Florida by turning the votes in Broward and Palm Beach County, holding them back for two weeks and seeing if they could get enough absentee ballots made up. They couldn't get there. They couldn't get there because there were only like three or 400,000 absentee ballots. You can't expand it to a million. But when you have 2.5 million mail-in ballots, you can expand it to 3 million or 3.2 million. Or you can count it four or five times in the machine. There's plenty of room for cheating, which is why they slowed it down. So you're, you're in it with other states. It's not just Arizona that has been conned and the people of Arizona taken advantage of and their right to vote taken away from them. It's the people of Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Nevada, Georgia, and Arizona that we know of. And if your right to vote has been taken away, so is mine. We have an illegitimate election. We have demonstrably wrong numbers in those states. <laughs> in your state, a lot of the fraud had to do with the mail-in system as it did in other places. Your state's a little bit different than Michigan and Pennsylvania. Your state, it wasn't full and complete shut out of all Republicans in seeing mail-in ballots and ballots that were in dispute. But it was significant. A significant number of these witnesses were shut out when the important determination was being made, is this ballot valid or isn't it? When you make that determination, as a matter of law in almost every state in the country, and just as a matter of due process and fairness, we'd all agree both parties should get to see it. That's the last time you get to check the validity of the ballot. That's why mail-in ballots are different. We can go back to the machines and we can study the machines. Maybe we can pick up the fraud and the, and the evidence of it because there's traces left in it. But once the envelope is separated from the ballot, gone forever, you will never know how to connect the fraud, which is why President Carter and Jimmy Baker said, it's a field day for fraud. The way you accomplish the fraud is you don't have an independent party or a Republican, if you're gonna cheat the Republicans, you don't have him in the room so he can object to it and point it out. Look, this is the same, this is the same handwriting on 12 ballots. Oh, they, they, they didn't fill out the envelope. They just filled out the ballot. Or this seems like it was done by a machine. Those are the things you can object to. So in probably at least 100,000 situations in Maricopa County alone and Pima, you did not have the opportunity to do that. Those votes should be declared null and void. You also, in addition, however, had your own variations as the other states did. So the key fraud is the mail-in ballot. That was the backup in case they fell too far behind. That's why they cut off the vote 
at midnight, one o'clock, when President Trump was getting too far ahead, particularly in Pennsylvania, in uh, Michigan, in uh, Wisconsin. So they cut off the vote. He was getting up to 800,000 in Pennsylvania, 300,000 in Michigan. He was even further ahead in Wisconsin. They cut off the vote. They turned things off. They chased everybody out. And then it's not your concern, except for the fact that you got to look at, look at this somewhat in total. They started bringing in false ballots. We have three witnesses to 100,000 of those ballots being brought in at 4.30 in the morning in Detroit with no Republicans around that they knew of. Luckily, we had two that stayed behind and a Dominion employee who was willing to be honest. Not all of them are honest. So the point of that is you're part of this fraud. You also had numerous situations of your workers, your citizens observing the poll officials helping people vote to the point of telling them who to vote for. Clear fraud. You have situations of poll workers being observed changing votes, taking ambiguous votes and making sure they were cast for Biden. And you have situations of stuffing the ballot box. And we'll, we will try to quantify those. Those are harder to quantify. But the ones involving the exclusion of observers are quantifiable, and that's 100,000. So let me spend just one minute, and then we'll get our witnesses out, on Dominion. Dominion is a foreign company. It's a Canadian company. It has an office in America, but it's a foreign company. Question number one. I have to believe the people of Arizona had no idea a foreign company was counting their vote. I guarantee you they didn't, because the people in New York did. I did. I find that outrageous. We can't get an American company that we have complete jurisdiction over to count our votes. Now, did we pick this company here in Arizona without any due diligence? It's not just a foreign company. It's a foreign company that's been in a lot of trouble. In Texas, it was excluded after two years of study for being exceedingly incompetent. It screwed up elections in the past. It's well known for having the most porous system of all the companies, meaning it's the easiest one to penetrate. They do little or nothing to protect against hacking. They even explain to some extent in their manual how to get into them, how to manipulate them. And then they have a history going back to the Smartmatic company that actually was formed for the purpose of fixing elections. I don't know if this, I don't know who makes the choice in your state of who should be counting your votes, but I know that person either is exceedingly naive or much worse. If this, if this wasn't known to the person making the choice, then you got to change your whole system. Finally, you don't have to wait to change your system. We don't have to endure a phony election and the biggest voter fraud in our history and end up with a tainted election and go down in history as a country that didn't have the courage to deal with it, go down as the first group of Americans that didn't have the courage to stand up when their freedoms were being taken away. We'd be the first. When I see some of these leaders cower at the idea of doing what the Constitution gives them the power to do, I become very discouraged about can we 
really stand up to this invasion on our, what's been really an invasion on our freedom of religion, our freedom of speech, and now our, our, our right to a fair and honest count, that's all we want. I mean, the one thing you will come away with here is the vote as it presently exists is false. It's fraudulent. If they certify it, they are certifying a false statement to the United States of America. Gosh, when I was a prosecutor, that was a federal crime. False statement to the United States in probably the most important matter we have, the selection of our commander in chief. I mean, I, I can tell you where the false statements and where the numbers end up, but that doesn't even matter. It is clear that the numbers are false. It's clear that you, are, you have included ballots that weren't properly inspected. It's clear that you're including ballots that were voted by other people. It's clear that you're using machines that have been shown to be totally manipulated in other places and you won't give us the opportunity to examine those machines. I think anybody who, who puts their name on that is getting very close to committing a crime. And I think anyone who stands by and lets it happen, maybe they're not committing a crime, but they've lost the sense of what it means that we have to fight to protect our values and our rights because there are always people, both externally and internally, who want to take them away. And I'm going to ask you to fight. And I'm going to ask you to try to implore the other members of your legislature to stand up to this. Do not be bullied. Do not be frightened. Your political career is worth losing if you can save the right to vote in America. In fact, I may get you a... I can get you a chapter in Profiles in Courage if you do that. Because at times in our history, certain men and women have stepped forward and lost their political career to give us the rights that we have. It's very, very, very similar to losing your life on the battlefield. But that's really what's required right now. Under the Constitution, and we are going to give all of you the memorandum from Professor Eastman, very short and very direct, and you can just go to the third page. It makes it very clear that under Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 of the document that guides us, we're not guided by your governor. We're not guided by your Secretary of State. We're not guided by Joe Biden. We're not guided by the New York Times. And we're not guided by all those stations that call the election. You know what we're guided by? The Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States says that you, the legislature of Arizona, have the plenary power to regulate the selection of electors in a presidential election. The Supreme Court, in the case that you will see cited there in McPherson, has already answered the question that many ignorant talking heads who really shouldn't be representing anyone because they're incompetent on television, they say, well, you, 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 can't, uh, you can't change it retrospectively. You can only change it prospectively. Now, I doubt whether they know the difference between retrospectively and prospectively, <laughs> but I don't want to be mean. Ha. <laughs> the United States Supreme Court, I think it's in 1892, said, you can change it at any time. It's your constitutional power 
solely. You don't share it with anybody. That clause doesn't say Congress. It doesn't say governor. It doesn't say newspapers. It says the state legislature. And the Supreme Court has said you can change that and take that power back anytime you want to because it's your power. It's not theirs. Whatever power the governor or the secretary of state thinks they're exercising, it isn't theirs. It's the legislature's. You can take it back. Already decided by the Supreme Court. And then based on evidence, not whim, not political bias, not fear of the media, based on evidence, you can make the determination. What is the right count? Well, how can we get as close to the right count as possible? If we can, then have the courage to select that person to get the electors, because that person won the honest vote. And every dishonest vote disenfranchises the decent people who cast an honest vote. Have the courage to do that. In history, I swear to God, you will be heroes. To half the half this... If you can't, if you can't make a determination, then don't certify. That's happened before. If, it's if they have screwed this up so badly that you really can't make a determination, then the answer is you do not certify. You, you can't honestly put your name on a document that sends them the right result. As decent, honest people, that's what you should do. I, I know I will probably, this is probably the wrong tactic, but we're down near the end. I don't see how any decent, honest person could let this happen. I do not see how any decent, honest person could let this happen. So with that, I just tell you that the characteristic of human beings that I admire the most, because my heroes are uh, Churchill, Reagan, who's the only president I work for, my hero. Mm -hmm. And now our new president, who's been my friend for 30 years, and I always knew he'd be a good president, didn't know he'd be a great president. Mm. And that's the reason they want him out so badly. Because he threatens them with destroying the corrupt system they have been enjoying in Washington since Bill Clinton got there. Attorney Rudy Giuliani, the lead member of President Trump's legal team, speaking at an election integrity hearing in Arizona hosted by Republican state legislators. Mr. Giuliani referenced an analysis by law professor John C. Eastman about the authority state legislatures have to appoint electors. We've included a link to that document in the show notes for this episode. The Electoral College is scheduled to cast the official electoral votes for President of the United States and also Vice President on December 14th. Electoral College delegations meet separately in their respective states and the District of Columbia. On January 6, 2021, a joint session of Congress will meet to count the votes and declare the results. Thank you for listening to the Notable Speeches podcast. Remember, you can follow us on Parler and Twitter at Notable Speeches and get a heads up about new episodes. If you have a question or a comment, send us an email, feedback at NotableSpeeches.com. I'm Joseph Slife.